January 24th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 15, beginning at verse 29. We'll go through chapter 16 and verse 12. We'll read about hungry people. The disciples had already forgotten the miracle of feeding the 5,000. It is amazing to us as we hear this, how they could have forgotten such a momentous thing. When you're faced with a crisis, take time to review His past mercies. Remind yourself that He does not change. Try to respond to people today the way Jesus responded. Ask Him for discernment. Are you guilty of some misunderstandings about the times in which we live? People believe the weather report, but not God's Word. It's amazing. They fail to see what God is doing in His world. Keep your eyes open and ask God for wisdom to understand His plan. Another misunderstanding. False doctrine. Jesus compared false doctrine to yeast. It appears small and insignificant, but it grows secretly and soon permeates everything. The only remedy is to remove it. Well, let's find out what this is all about here as we read in the New Testament. January 24, Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 29, through chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee, and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought him the lame, blind, crippled, mute, and many others with physical difficulties, and they laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking around. And those who had been blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the road. The disciples replied, And where would we get enough food out here in the wilderness for all of them to eat? Jesus asked, How many loaves of bread do you have? They replied, Seven and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to the disciples, who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate until they were full, and when the scraps were picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. There were four thousand men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home, and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. One day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus' claims by asking him to show them a miraculous sign from heaven. He replied, You know the saying, Red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow, red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You're good at reading the weather signs in the sky, but you can't read the obvious signs of the times. Only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. 
Later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any food. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They decided he was saying this because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you worried about having no food? Won't you ever understand? Don't you remember the five thousand I fed with five loaves and the baskets of food that were left over? Don't you remember the four thousand I fed with seven loaves with baskets of food left over? How could you even think I was talking about food? So again I say, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about yeast or bread, but about the false teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Where does the courage come from to be a Christian? Of compassion and courage and sacrifice and love when the world is not agreeing with any of that. Where does that come from? And the answer is in verse 34. You, ex- you joyfully accepted, joyfully accepted, joyfully accepted. The question is, where does that come from? Because joy is the strength that is carrying the day here. You joyfully accepted the seizure of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. The most important word in that sentence is since. Or it could just read knowing that you have because it means since. Let me read it again slowly. You joyfully, put yourself in here now, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property because. So if you ask me, where does this joy come from? Where does the strength come from? This courage come from? This sacrifice come from? Because you knew that you yourselves have a better possession and an abiding one. Hope has a name. The possession has a name. The better and the eternal has a name. His name is Jesus. We hope in him. We hope for him. The better and abiding possession. Paul said, for me to die is gain. I am torn. I want to depart and be with Christ. For that is far, what's the word? Better. That's the word. Far better. To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Got that? Do you believe that? To die is better than living. Paul did. These people did. That's where the joy came from as they went to prison. That's where the joy came from as they lost their property. You joyfully accepted the seizure of your property means your hope in the better and abiding possession is so real. These aren't just words for you. I would ask you, are they words for you? Are they realities for you? Is your possession beyond the grave more precious than anything this world offers? If it's not, you won't live like this. That's what 350 years has ruined. It has made us at home here so that this world is more precious to us than that world. Thank you very much. I don't want to go yet. Stay away. 
so I'm not going to the prison, and I'm not going to say anything or do anything that would make this life, which is my real love, uncomfortable. Notice the two things in verse 34. Abiding, it's an abiding and it's a better. Abiding and better, abiding and better. Better means this life is inferior, that life is better. Abiding means this life is temporary, that life is forever. My favorite verse in the Psalms is Psalm 1611. You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you hear those two words? Fullness of joy, pleasures forever. Does that sound familiar to verse 34? Better and abiding. Better, full, abiding forever. Anybody who can come up to me after the service and authentically, genuinely, truly offer me anything better than full and abiding joy in Jesus, I will stop being a Christian this morning. Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. We'll read about a day of trouble. David was going out to battle, and he and his people gathered to pray. His secret of victory was the name of the Lord, the Lord he worshipped sincerely and sacrificially. We'll read about a day of triumph. Again, it is in the name of the Lord that you fight the forces of evil. God hears and answers prayer and sends you the help you need. You can count on it. And we'll read about a day of trust. David had a great name, but the name of the Lord is much greater. Some people have names that cannot be trusted, but God's name has never failed. Your days of trouble can become days of triumph if you trust in the name of the Lord. Psalm 20, verses 1 through 9. For the choir director, a psalm of David. In times of trouble, may the Lord respond to your cry. May the God of Israel keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy. When we hear of your victory, flying banners to honor our God, may the Lord answer all your prayers. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their armies and weapons, but we boast in the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse. But we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Respond to our cry for help. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life 
and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay far from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil.